I spent the last three years learning from some of the most ingenious mergers and acquisition specialists around. And now I've decided to take the leap into buying businesses. The real questions are how will I do it? How much of the behind the scenes can we really show? And how can business owners like you maximize their purchase price and build generational wealth? This show is going to give you the answers. Join me and follow along as I share mine and other stories as we buy, sell, or merge healthcare businesses and physical therapy practices. I'm Dave Kittle, and this is The Dave Kittle Show. Hey, on this episode, you will learn how the San Diego Padres chiropractor has acquired a practice. All that and more on The Dave Kittle Show. Hey, Dave Kittle here. Welcome back. I am the owner of Concierge Pain Relief Home Physical Therapy in New York City and the CEO of the Fieldmaker Group. We're currently acquiring practices in New York and New Jersey. And today we have Dr. CJ Epstein on the show, a chiropractor in California. And he's also the team chiropractor for the San Diego Padres. We're just talking about a little bit of baseball in the pre-interview. CJ, welcome on. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Excellent. And, uh, Shout out to Corey Hibben, who gave us the introduction as to uh, how we got connected for this show and this uh, this episode here. So let's go back in time. So now you guys, you're a, a busy chiropractor and a busy practice at Team Elite Chiropractic, uh, but it didn't always start that way. So let's go back to the origin story of you were coming out of, I believe, either during chiropractic school or right after chiropractic school. Let's go into the story of how you came into the process of acquiring a practice. Yeah. So really kind of the beginnings of it um, was wrapping up chiropractic school. And the way things work is for your final quarter, you do a preceptorship, like an internship with any doctor of your choice. I knew that I wanted to make my way down to San Diego. I'm from Arizona. And that's what you do. We're we're zonies. We come to San Diego and hang out at the beach and cause all sorts of traffic. So I knew I wanted to end up in San Diego. And so I figured at the very least, if I do my preceptorship here, it gets me here and then I can figure it out. I was fortunate enough to get paired up um, with an awesome sports doc in San Diego. From the first day I shattered her, I knew this is who I want to be around and this is who I want to learn from. Um, so shout out to Dr. Jen Reiner. She's amazing. We're still good friends. Um, so I did my preceptorship with her and really was hoping to get hired by her and just be an associate, continue to learn, you know, stay in San Diego. It turned out that she was actually looking to sell the practice at that point. Her then boyfriend, now husband was working um, at Stanford at the time and she wanted to be closer. So it got offered for me to purchase the practice from her. I kind of went back to spoke to my parents. Um, I was 24 years old at the time, 25 by the time I, I got my license. But so I was young, I was green, I didn't have any business experience, I didn't have any chiropractic experience other than the internship. But it felt like too good of an opportunity to pass up. Uh, it's kind of a sports-based practice. We're inside gyms and had multiple locations. There were a couple other docs already working with her, treating professional athletes and just athletic-minded people. It's just the population I wanted to be around. Um, so like I said, it was kind of too good of an opportunity to pass up. I looked at different options of I had no money. I was, you know, fresh and just about to graduate, you know, living off of student loans. There's no way I was going to be able to get a, a loan from the bank. I had no experience, no assets. 
so ultimately what happened was I came to her and said like, Hey, if you're willing to do, you know, like a seller finance and allow me to pay off the practice over a three year period, I think we can make it work. And my parents were super generous. They took out a HELOC on their house and helped me pay like a quarter of the purchase price as a down payment. And then she and I came up with a payment plan where it started off, you know, low, low payments in the beginning and then kind of ramped up. So it allowed me to kind of get established, start to see some patients, make, you know, bring in some money. And then, um, yeah, fortunate to say that. In over three years, never missed a payment and was able to pay off the practice. And so, like I said, it went really well. She and I are still great friends. She's still a mentor. We talk fairly regularly. So yeah, very happy with how things went. And, and obviously, we're going to talk about where you're at today and, and much bigger and busier. If you hadn't had this opportunity or if you hadn't taken that deal, do you think you would be where you're at anyway without that type of uh, you know, like leap forward by acquiring a practice that's already up and existing versus starting something from scratch? It's hard to say. And I've spoken with other, you know, friends and colleagues who've done similar things or they purchased a practice and then others who have started from scratch. I think for me, this was a, a great opportunity. I do think it helped, like you said, kind of leapfrog. I, I skipped a lot of the, you know, really early days, but no one coming in kind of thing. So all in all, I think it was a great decision for me. But I would say I think a lot of things lined up that made it work. Dr. Jen Reiner, she was she's still one of the most stand-up people I know. So even though this was, you know, a business transaction and I, I learned business real quick um, during that process, I knew she wasn't gonna screw me over. She wasn't trying to take advantage of me. Obviously any seller is going to want to get the, you know, the best price they can for their practice, but she was in a situation where she wanted to, you know, move quickly, wanted to hand over the reins to someone that was going to, you know, take good care of her patients and and relationships. So just mutually I think it, it was a good a good deal for both of us. Whereas I could see in other instances, you know, if you're purchasing a practice, you know, out of a an ad or or through somebody else where you don't have that relationship, things could be a little different. So all in all it went well. There were definitely some things I think I might have done differently now that I have the uh, you know 2020, the experience and it's all behind at this point. But Overall, I think it was a good decision for me. So what might have you done differently, do you think? Yeah, one, one of the biggest things, and, and I've listened to a handful of your uh, your podcast episodes, so it was really interesting to hear other people who purchase practices and hear kind of maybe what, what is more of the norm. So the day I took over, she was gone. She was out of the office. Luckily, I had done my, you know, preceptorship. I had met a lot of the patients. I, you know, had done some shadowing, you know, even up until like right before the the purchase went through. But day one that I started, she was gone, and so there was a massive drop off of her patients, which I think is natural. You know, it's a business where you you see someone because you like them, and so the day she left, there was definitely a drop off. There was also some interesting issues with insurance. She accepted a lot of the insurance plans here in San Diego and California. And I you know, took over basically the day I got my license and everything was in order. And so I wasn't credentialed with any insurance company. So I wasn't able to bill bill insurance for any of those people. So anyone who was you know, used to paying their you know, $10 copay now was a cash patient 
And so I think there was a lot of drop off with that. One of the interesting things was that there is, we had multiple locations when I took over and two other chiropractors kind of on the team. And so I didn't want to rock the boat at all with them. I just wanted to keep them happy and, and keep them running. They're kind of pretty self-sufficient. And so actually what happened was a lot of the insurance patients ended up seeing those doctors because they were credentialed. So their schedules filled up. But my schedule personally was was pretty slow. So in the beginning, it was a little bit slow to get going. But I still had a handful, you know, a decent amount of cash patients, um, out-of-pocket paying patients that helped get me going. And then I was able to kind of grow from there. So thought- in hindsight, I think having her stick around for a little bit, having a little bit more of a transition, maybe getting some of those insurance things kind of settled, that might have been helpful. Oh, plus you were like a new grad. So it takes X amount of weeks or months to be credentialed with a lot of the insurance contracts. And sometimes it's a short window and then sometimes it's a longer window. So you were a new grad. So it's not like you were already licensed and credentialed in another setting, but in the same state or a different state or something like that. So that certainly would uh, cause a lag in, in some of the credentialing and enrollment of those insurance contracts, which like you said, kind of, facilitate or fed into a little bit of that drop off. Exactly. And, and there wasn't much of a transition period because she left the day that you started. So you guys probably did as much as you could on the front end to like have uh, introductions, meet some of the patients and clientele, but it was impossible to do that for every patient that was in the, the past patient list for that. Exactly. Yeah. So pretty much the patients I, you know, she had seen over the, maybe the past couple of weeks to a month. You know, I got to know, but um, like you said, kind of that whole past patient list, they didn't know who I was at all. <laughs> got it. And I thought when we, you and I did the first phone call just to catch up, I thought it was a solo practice where it was just her. So there were uh, two other chiropractors in her practice. Yeah. And that was, so that was had, part of the acquisition. Yeah. And so actually interesting enough, the way the business was set up was a little bit different. We were... I guess partnered. We were kind of underneath a physical therapy group out here in San Diego. And so the entire business was we were the chiropractors of this PT group. And so the day I took over, we actually fully kind of separated for business purposes and everything else. But so not only did I take over this existing practice, but I was also rebranding and basically starting a new, you know, business from scratch. And so again, as a, a young 25-year-old with no experience, just trying to navigate the waters of how to register a DBA and open business accounts, S-Corp versus sole proprietor, all of those things, another you know, obstacle to, to tackle. But yeah, so there is, we had five locations actually when I took over, which the way things were set up is that because we were kind of working out of physical therapy company, they had seven locations. We basically rented space from them. We had our chiropractic table and and kind of their open treatment room. So I was able to have multiple locations with a much lower overhead. And so we were a little spread a little thin with with three doctors spread out over five locations, kind of a lot of bouncing around. So pretty quickly, we consolidated down to three locations. And then over the past eight or so years, you know, this was in 2014, things have changed, we've expanded, we've contracted. And so, yeah, so we currently sit with three locations. And then uh, those two doctors have since left, I've had others come and go. Um, but right now, there's, there's myself and two other chiropractors. 
Got it. And you mentioned rebrands. So your original boss mentor that sold you the practice, the practice was a different name or what was it the name that was through the physical therapy practice or did she have her own chiropractic practice name? No. So we were fully under the physical therapy name. We were on their website. That was another thing when I took over we use their receptionists. They scheduled patients. So the day I took over, all of that was gone. So another hurdle to, you know, I assume when you purchase a practice, you think you're acquiring all of those things and then business can run as usual. So that was another obstacle that we had was, you know, finding someone to answer the phones and do some of the scheduling. We fully separated from them. So we got a new, um, EHRs like you know uh, note taking software, scheduling software. So there was you know some learning curve to learning a new software. Which anyone that's switched software, I'm sure, has gone through. So yeah, it was kind of like basically what I purchased was the in the contract it was called the goodwill, which was her patient base. I think the assets that I actually acquired was like three grand worth of equipment. It was pretty minimal, and then the rest was all just you know her patient base and relationships. So like I said, we definitely took a hit and there was a couple of years, it was probably about two to three years before I felt like I got things back to where it had originally been. But then I was able to grow pretty quickly after that. Got it. So then the name that you started with from day one when you took over was Team Elite Chiropractic or was it a different name at that point? Yeah, Team Elite Chiropractic. And then I went through all the fun of registering the name or corporate, you know, I did become an S corp till later on. Didn't honestly know the difference or why. So over the time, over the years, I've, you know, expanded the business and learned how to, you know, run things a little bit more properly, but yeah, learning to get a website built, figuring out email and phone lines, that kind of stuff. Yes. That was a, an exciting and stressful time for young, new grad, new doc. For sure. Let's touch a little bit back on the like the capital structure of things. So how the the structure was with payments and all that, because a lot of people, whether they're new grad physical therapists, new grad chiropractors, et cetera, or anyone that doesn't understand like mergers and acquisitions, a lot of people think that every deal, every potential transaction is like a hundred percent cash paid at the closing date. And that's not always the case. And and yours is as well. So you said that you had 25, whatever dollar amount that you guys agreed on, you had 25% of that paid at the date of closing. And then the rest was, did you say it was either seller's finance or, or an earnout? Yeah, the seller's finance just over a three-year period. And I really forget how I came up with that. Or I must have heard it from somebody because I don't think I would have come up with that on my own. But I kind of approached her with the idea and she was open to it. And so what we decided on, and, and she had an attorney and an accountant that was kind of helping her on her end. And I I had an accountant on my end and, and an uncle that's an attorney that helped me a little bit with through this process. And so we came up with a 5% interest rate. And like I said, it was a, a sliding scale. So payments were, were pretty minimal those first few months and then slowly ramped up. And so we came up with a payment schedule for that. Got it. And I like what you said about the payment schedule kind of ramped up and increased into the future. So was that like month over month? Was it incrementally more like a higher payment each month or was it each quarter or how did that go? Because usually what I've heard is for the seller's finance or the earnout component, the buyers like us, they might model out, you know, what type of um, 
what payment, whether the payment is going to the owner for the seller's finance or earnout or a monthly payment to a bank if there's, you know, SBA financing or commercial debt financing. And typically the SBA and the commercial debt financing are, it comes out to like a fixed monthly amount that the buyer or any, you know, it could be the chiropractor, it could be the PT that's paying those monthly debt service payments, basically. But yours was structured that increased incrementally in the future. So was it each month? Was it, you know, X amount more or was it quarterly? Like, how did you guys, and I know it's been a while, but how how did you kind of figure out that it's almost like an acceleration of payments, like it incrementally got larger. So it allowed you to kind of have low payments and less risk in the beginning, but you were still on the hook for those higher payments, right? Yeah. So I forget exactly how we came up with the, you know, that sliding scale. It was, I want to say it was roughly like six months at one amount. And then it kind of jumped up to the next year and then maybe another anywhere from three to six months at that. And then just incrementally over those three years kind of increased in size. And then once I hit that final payment, it was good. (laughs) I got to celebrate. What did you do to celebrate? I didn't celebrate necessarily that that day, but I had, I finally decided to book myself a trip. And uh, my then girlfriend at the time, we booked a trip to Costa Rica. There you go. Nice. So in yeah. terms of any, any other uh, healthcare provider, if they get this type of an opportunity, if they hear about this type of an opportunity, maybe it's a mentor, maybe it's where they did their clinical rotation or their preceptorship, maybe it's the, you know, it's where they grew up and, and it's a, a practice owner that's looking to transition and retire and they hear about an opportunity like this. What other types of suggestions or, or, uh, potential areas to be aware of or risk areas for them to watch out for? Yeah, I think, you know, probably on the sellers and she took a big risk by not getting paid in full. I'm sure if I sold my practice today, I'd rather have payment in full and be done and not rely on, you know, a young new grad that maybe is going to pay me over the next three years. So in that sense, I think the buyer and seller need to have, you know, a good trusting relationship. So for her and I, that went well. And I was glad to, to never have to ask for, you know, if I wasn't able to make a payment, we just never got to that, which was great. But I just say for anybody, any, you know, new grad or, or someone that's looking to purchase a practice, but maybe doesn't have the means or the ability to, you know, if they never knew this was an option, bring it up to the seller. And if you guys can come to terms and they're open to it, it could be a good way that, you know, a seller is able to sell their practice if for whatever reason they would like to. And, you know, for a new doctor, a young doctor to an acquire a practice that, wouldn't otherwise be able to. Yeah, for sure. So you had 25% down and then like an accelerated incremental increase in the the payments. You made every payment. So that's awesome. Do you recall in the agreement about clauses, if you like what would happen because someone that's listening, if they are not experienced in acquisitions, like would you have, you know, did you have any collateral put up or I guess was part of collateral? Was it your parents with the HELOC? Was there collateral from that? Like, What what was any of the collateral where 75% of the deal was basically a, was deferred payments? So was there any... First of all, was there any collateral uh, backing that? Or was it more of just like your relationship with her and your ability, your licensed chiropractor, your ability to kind of see patients and produce revenue? Yeah, I don't believe there was any collateral. I didn't own anything. I had a beat up car, so that wouldn't have covered much of it. 
And then I definitely, I was grateful for my parents to help out how they did, but I really wanted to make sure that they weren't on the hook or liable for anything other than, you know, not even the gift, but the loan that they gave me to, you know, put down a a 25% down payment. It's an interesting thing you bring up. I'm sure from the seller side, I'm sure she would have rather had, you know, some collateral, some way of guaranteeing payment. You know, it was a legal contract that I signed. So I'm sure I would have been you know, held on the hook if I didn't make my payments, but glad we never got to that point. Got it. What if a new grad chiropractor comes to you and says, uh, Hey, I heard this, uh, this interview and I heard what you, you know, went through. What if they were looking to acquire some practice and, and they, they pitched you on something like, Hey, if you put up some of this capital, maybe you get five, I'll pay you 5%. I'll pay, you know, Dr. CJ Epstein, I'll pay you 5%. And if you put some capital up and then you can partner with me or, or you help finance a, a transaction, a, another deal for another chiropractor, and maybe you negotiate on just, you know, if you had extra capital and maybe you could negotiate on the, the interest rate, maybe you say it's higher now with inflation or whatever. Would that be something that, and I'm not putting you on the spot here. I don't, I, I don't, and I don't want a ton of chiropractors reaching out to you for this because this, I'm just throwing this out there, but it's similar as to you using the capital from your parents and and that HELOC. But if someone doesn't have those resources, if they don't have access to that. Yeah, it's an interesting thing. I, I will say for any other chiropractor listening, I'm, I'm not interested in that at the moment. But it is something to consider in the right circumstances. I think the biggest takeaway is that there are lots of different options, you know, traditional financing or, or just purchasing a practice outright, maybe a more traditional way. But Business in business, there are lots of different ways to get a deal done. And so you can always bring it up to that doctor, that seller, um, and just try to come up with a mutual way of how we can get the deal done. Maybe down the road, if something like that comes up, I'd consider it. But at the moment, I'm just looking to continue to grow and build Team Elite Chiropractic. We've got, you know, our three docs right now in three locations. We just want to maximize, you know, see as many patients as we can, help as many people as we can. And what you guys do now with your current structure. So it's 30 minute visits and you have more of like a movement based approach, right? It's, it's not just like traditional adjustments. It's maybe it's a little more rehab or, or physical therapy type of an approach. Is, is that correct to me saying? Yeah, hundred percent. So we do one hour initial evals and we do half an hour follow ups. And like you said, we, uh, the way I like to explain it is that we're kind of blending chiropractic and physical therapy. We do, you know, typical chiropractic adjustments, but we also do a lot of soft tissue work, different techniques that, that you guys might utilize. And we always follow up with some sort of rehab and corrective exercises. So definitely bridging the gap between traditional chiropractic and physical therapy. We work with athletes of all, you know, levels from youth athletes to professional athletes, everyone in between. We work really closely with physical therapists at PT company that we were originally part of way back when, when I took over, I still work very closely with them. So we try to bridge and and blend kind of the two professions. uh, And we work really well with, with other practitioners. That's awesome. So how did you become the team chiropractor for the San Diego Padres? Yeah, that was an awesome opportunity. Really what it comes down to, I get this question a lot, especially from, you know, young doctors that, want to. I think a lot of us, anyone that played sports, our dream is to be part of a pro team. And and I know that was a big goal of mine was to one day work with a professional team. And I wish I could give you the the playbook, do X, Y, and Z, and and you'll be there. But it unfortunately doesn't work that way. 
really what it came down to is investing in myself, doing continuing ed classes to you know make me the best doc I can be, networking, just building relationships. You just never know who you're going to meet, how that interaction might help you in the future, much like you and I right now. And then just being a team player. So part of when I did get interviewed for the Padres, part of what they liked was that I worked well. I worked well with physical therapists. I worked with massage therapists and acupuncturists and uh, orthopedic surgeons. And I didn't have an ego. I was happy to kind of share what I found, but also hear what they found and we could all work together. And so I was fortunate to have some of that experience in my practice where we're based out of gyms at all three of our locations, gyms and wellness spas. So we're working pretty closely with personal trainers, physical therapists, acupuncturists, naturopathic doctors. So I had a little bit of that experience, which is what you see in a, in a protein clubhouse. So those are all things that helped get me the job. The way I kind of fell into it was that the team chiropractor had been with them for about 17 years. He and his wife had an opportunity to move away. And he and I happened to practice in the same part of San Diego in Scripps Ranch. And so we had met a couple times, but I didn't know him all that well really nice guy and, and highly you know, uh, thought of in the community. And so when he was leaving, he actually recommended me and a couple other chiropractors in the area to, to take his position. And so through my networking, I also knew the team physical therapist, team acupuncturist. So they definitely helped vouch for me and that helped get me an interview. And then I kind of took it from there. So like many things uh, with the professional sports world, it's relationships and networking. Hundred percent, yeah. And at the end of the day, I think a big part of it is just being able to work with people, and not have an ego. Because at the end of the day, these are pro athletes; they just need the best care. They don't need you to have a big head. If I'm not the one to help them, I'm happy to send them to to the PT or to the athletic trainers. They're amazing. They do great stuff. Got it. Well, you're already pretty busy, so. I'm not sure how you'll answer this, but if someone had another, let's say there was another chiropractic office or practice for sale in the San Diego area, would that be something that you would be interested in? And I'm not saying I, I don't know anyone, but I'm just saying if that were to come across your uh, your email, your inbox or your come across someone reaches out to you or something like that, would that be something that you're interested in? Or is that something that you don't really have the the time or the bandwidth for right now? Potentially. The way I like to look at things is I'm always open to having the conversation. I'm never just going to squash anything right off the bat. If it sounds like it could be an, a good opportunity, then I'm you know happy to to take a look and dive deeper. And if there's a way to help build and grow our practice, I'm all about it. At the same time, I've heard from other doctors that you know bigger isn't always better. So right now, my main focus is focusing on you know, what we've got are three locations are the three doctors we have. And like I said, maximizing, making sure that we're, you know, filling our schedules, doing proper networking and, and working on our SEO, all the other things that, that go into running a successful practice. Do you think, or, or maybe with new patients that are contacting you, do you guys get any of the, the influence from being the San Diego Padres team Cairo, does that help with marketing? Does that help with, uh, with inbound awareness for what you're doing? Or is it more of a digital approach with, you know, Google and, and SEO and your website and things that you just mentioned? Uh, I mean, it definitely helps. There's no doubt about it. The day that I, you know, got the position, I think it just enhanced my credibility. I joke with my friends and colleagues that one day I'm just Dr. CJ, the chiropractor. And then the next day I'm, 
Dr. CJ, the Padres team chiropractor. And just having that, I won't lie, it definitely helps. I love the position. I love working with the team and the players. So it's on our website. It's not something that I, I like to boast necessarily. It's just not my personality, but it's definitely helpful when people either search for, you know, team chiropractor and my name pops up or, or they find us just organically through, you know, any Google search and then maybe on our website, see something that, that shows that I'm a team chiropractor. I think it gives us credibility, but I'm no different than you or the next guy. You know, the other two docs on my team, Dr. Matt, Dr. Nate are both equally awesome chiropractors. And so anybody that comes to team elite chiropractic, they're going to get top quality care, whether it's from me or, or from anybody else. That's awesome. I think that's a great place to pause. So the website for the practice is teamelitechiropractic.com. If there's anyone that's listening, maybe a chiropractor, a physical therapist, a staff therapist, or a practice owner, if anyone wanted to connect with you further, what's the best place for them to do that on the website, LinkedIn, email address, anything like that? Yeah, probably through the websites are best. We're, we're on Instagram, Facebook, Team Elite Chiropractic, pretty easy to find logos there. So you'll you'll see it when you see it. But honestly, it's probably through our website. There's a little chat inquiry. Feel free to send a message. It, it'll come to you know my receptionist. It'll come to me. So if anyone has any questions or comments or anything, you know, feel free to go there or like I said, find us on on any of the socials and you know shoot us a message. That's awesome. So Dr. CJ Epstein from Team Elite Chiropractic in San Diego, California. Thank you so much for your time. And if I'm in the area, because I've heard San Diego is beautiful. I've never been there. I've been to San Francisco, never been to San Diego. But when I do travel there, we're definitely going to catch up. I'll buy you a coffee or a drink or we'll get lunch or something. Thank you so much for your time. This is great. You got it. Yeah. Maybe we'll get you out for uh, a Phillies Padres game next season. Oh, there we go. There we go. Excellent. Now you're talking my language. Guys, listen, if you found this valuable, if this was helpful, if you're a chiropractor, physical therapist, PT, OT, whatever, if you found this valuable, rate, review, and subscribe so that you'll get notified of future episodes as they're published. And if you found this valuable, copy and paste the link of this YouTube link, wherever you're listening, Spotify, Apple, iTunes, send it to one colleague, one friend that's a Cairo, that's a PT, that's an OT, a practice owner. If you find it valuable, chances are that they will find it valuable. So go ahead and send that to them, shoot them a text message or an email of this episode and uh, share it out to a friend or colleague. We would appreciate that if you do so. And that's it for now. We'll catch you next time on the Dave Kittle Show. Hey, it's Dave Kittle. Are you a healthcare business owner or physical therapy practice owner who is looking to figure out your succession plan or exit strategy? We might be able to help. And in fact, we may be interested in acquiring your practice. If you're interested, you can reach out to me. Shoot me an email at dave at conciergepainrelief.com. That's D-A-V-E at C-O-N-C-I-E-R-G-E, painrelief.com or You can call me at any time, 646-781-8884.